We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Miss something from the Todd Feinberg Show? Listen to the podcast on WTIC.com slash podcast. So if government is doing something, it's trying to mess with our rights. It's, it's taking away our power over ourselves, which the job of government is in our system to protect our rights. Governor Ned Lamont pledged to address heightened fears over gun violence on Monday with legislation to ban open carrying of firearms, mandate the registration of untraceable ghost guns, and ending the bulk purchase of handguns. Now, there are no marches on the street going on demanding this kind of government action and these are rights that are protected under the constitution and yet the big government crowd just wants to go diving into those rights and tearing them apart all the time even when there isn't a call for it they're claiming to love us and care about us and want to protect us when instead they're doing the opposite taking away the rights they're supposed to protect that's what government does it makes up all kinds of stories. Jolly Ned makes up all kinds of stories about why him oppressing us, locking down businesses and forcing people to wear masks and, and, and uh, taking away guns. All this stuff is nothing that's called for by the people. They run around and they pitch it while they oppress us, and they tell us how wonderful they are for wanting to do us. It doesn't do us any good to say we're in one of the safest states in the country, he said, if people don't feel safe. Well, maybe if you told them how safe it is instead of pretending they have a reason to not feel safe and then pretending there's demand to take away rights, maybe people would feel differently about it, Ned. What do you think? It was not the first time that Lamont, a Democrat, had announced plans to bolster the state's already strict gun laws. There you have it, right, right there from the liberal media. 860-522-2942. It's the Todd Feinberg Show, live from the NJ Diet Studios on WTIC News Talk 1080. You know how we're hearing all over the news about the, uh, the, the fiscal crisis, the debt default risk, the mess that Congress has made because they don't want to raise the debt ceiling. Is this all bunk or is this serious stuff? We're going to talk to Veronique de Rougy. She is at the Mercatus Center, a fiscal policy expert who watches this stuff and knows what's going on. So, Veronique, thank you for being with us on WTIC. Thank you for having me. 
Well, it's good to have you because we've always had fun when we've talked before, so I figured why not? And, <laughs> and why not understand this instead of just listening to the words go by that they're spewing out of the TV or radio? Mm-hmm. So yes. fill us in. Um, What's going on? So um, we have another debt ceiling fight once again, and uh, it's one that I think is worth fighting, which is while debt ceiling is going to have to be raised, because um, the reason why Uncle Sam uh, needs even more money than it's allowed to borrow is because Congresses in the past, including many of the members who are currently in Congress, have actually committed way too much money that they didn't have money for by passing a lot of bills over the years. But that doesn't mean that um, they can't say, okay, we're going to raise the ceiling, but let's tie our hands a little bit by putting some, um, some, you know, some restraints on future spending, mm, this, and that's that's what's happening. So this is what what is so frustrating is we bounce from one of these to the next, and they never actually do anything to reduce spending. But what you're saying is this is this is predetermined whenever they pass a, a spending item that isn't within the budget, which is a couple hundred million dollars a year or what? How much a year are they are they going over budget? Well, um, a trillion, right? A trillion I mean, our deficit, a deficit, a deficit right now is heading, uh, is actually $1.4 trillion. Um, but so, um, but it is, um, you know, and it's growing, obviously. Well, yeah, so we're um, at 30, are we close yeah, to 32 30, trillion right now? Yeah, 31 trillion, between 31 and $32 trillion. That's a, almost 100% of our GDP every, every year, right? Uh, what's also important to understand is that 30% uh, of that debt has a maturity of a year. So it means that every year the, the Treasury Department has to pay back um, short-term um, uh, investors, give them roughly $6 trillion, and hope that um, they'll be able to reborrow at low rates, uh, which is more kind of, you know, it's harder when you have inflation now. and the solution to fight inflation right now is to raise interest rates, right? Because when you have so much short-term debt, it means that interest on our debt is going up. We don't have the money, so you have to borrow more. That increases the deficit. So it's really um, – but also it's uh, – we have to understand that the, while everything should be on the table um, to cut, and there's been a lot of fiscal responsibility in pretty much everything – government has done, uh, the real drivers of our debt are Social Security, Medicare, and Medicaid. But, so this is not what, this is not, this is, the, reforming Social Security, Medicare, and Medicaid, uh, which faced a $116 trillion shortfall um, for, for the next 30 years. It's a lot of money that the program is committed to pay that it doesn't have and that it's not going to be raising with taxes. Um, is not something we can address right now through the debt ceiling. But I think it's reasonable to be saying, how about we impose some uh, budget cap? Say, for instance, that spending overall is going to be growing only at 2% a year. I mean, it doesn't sound like a much, but like much, you know, to just do 2% a year. Um, um, but it actually would be, um, it would be 
it would be significant uh, reduction in the growth of our debt if we managed to do if that. We, if we did what? Cut what by 2% a year, Veronique? No, if we, if we said that the debt that our spending can grow more than 2% a year. So, for instance, you say from now on, each program or the overall yeah. increase in government spending can't exceed 2% a year, right? You fix. And let, let's, let's kind of also kind of think about this in another way, right? Um, the government is spending close to, you know, around $6 trillion. What is it that they cannot do with $6 trillion? That's what I'd like to know, right? And so this notion that every year they need to spend 10% more or 20% more, which was the case during the pandemic, you know, in emergency, I get it. But then usually you go back down, which we haven't done this time around. And uh, or like you have to increase the last omnibus bill is increased discretionary spending. That's like the uh, the part of the budget that they have to reauthorize every, every year uh, by by over 10%. It's, it's kind of crazy. What is it that you can do? You cannot do with that much money. Well, so, we, you know, our actual tax revenues are how, how much per year? Is it something like $3.4 Is that number right? Yeah, no, it's a little over, but it's um, there's there's a gap, right? We roughly spend twenty five percent of GDP. Yeah, exactly, and we and they raise eighteen percent to nineteen percent of GDP. I haven't looked at the number, but usually that's kind of how it is. But so, this is uh, this is disgusting. They they these people are mismanaging us into oblivion, and that extra money is used to make it seem like everything's normal. And that business as usual is appropriate when, in fact, we they're driving us off a fiscal cliff. I I agree, and I, I, and if anyone like needs to remember anything from what I've said, just remember that the shortfall, meaning like the difference between the benefits that have been promised for Social Security and Medicare alone for the next thirty years, compared to how much money we're going to be raising. Mm-hmm. In taxes through the payroll tax, or also premium and other uh, and other taxes for these program, is a hundred sixteen trillion dollars. That's just that's the, the shortfall size, from those benefits. Shortfall. From that's the shortfall. From right? specifically so, which program? Social Security and Medicare. Okay, so that's we a have big a, shortfall. We have, so there are people who are like, there are Republicans here, a small bunch who are saying, you know what, we just can't continue. The debt ceiling fight puts us in a position where it's the moment where we can ask some compromises and some sign that we can actually, that we're going to veer off a different uh, uh, track and not continue like this. Um, the question is, what can they do and how can they do it? Um, the, 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 there are a lot of people out there saying this is not the time to do it. You should never use the debt ceiling. If we default, it's going to be catastrophic. Well, that's actually a little mis- it's pretty misleading because there's actually a long way to go before we actually are put in that position where we're going to default, not only because the Department of Treasury has measures extraordinary measure that they can put in place before uh, we have to raise the debt ceiling. And and then even when we reach the debt ceiling, uh, once we've used all those measures, which is roughly in June or July, uh, then Congress can prioritize 
really not technically default, which so, is so appropriate they want to prioritize. Money. So appropriate money for the urgent things and let, let the others Yeah, well, slide. so for the most important thing is, is the, the interest on in our debt and our mm-hmm. principal on our debt. That's the most. That said, it is not a good, it's not a good. Starting to not pay some spending that we've com- committed to paying because we've gotten the service or, you know, sure. some people are counting we, on it. It's we understand really that. But it, it's also but, not a but, good practice to be spending money that doesn't exist. But also to continue on the path we are, right? So the debate is always said, oh, well, it's irresponsible to be demanding any compromises. But the reality is, while you do not want to put the government in a position, you don't want to go as far in holding the government um, uh, hostage back uh, as to get it to default or even to start not you know, paying some, some bills, Mm-hmm. Uh, preferably, right? It's also completely irresponsible to continue on the path we are on. We're talking with Veronique de Rouget from the Mercatus Center. She's a fiscal policy expert, and we are talking about this whole debt default thing that Congress is focused on and wanting to raise the debt limit or not. And this game that they play about the debt limit isn't the issue, is I think what you're telling us, that it's really about overspending on a chronic basis and how can we is there a way to convert the discussion so we're actually discussing the the fact that overspending is the problem not some unwillingness to um to raise the debt limit yes so think about it this way we would not have a debt ceiling problem if congress was not consistently overspending and it's not that they need to have a balanced budget, but it's like overspending to a level that our debt is exploding, right? Think about it this way. Social Security, Medicare, and Medicaid, plus interest on our debt, will make almost 90% of the growth in spending between 2008 and 2030, Right. What's happened is that we have passed these programs under good intention, but while the number of workers per retiree has gone down quite dramatically uh, for Social Security, for instance, from like, I think it was like from 15 to three workers, mm-hmm. um, that used to have three workers, three, you used to have 15 workers per retiree, and now you have roughly three, and it's going down to two point or 2.1, I think, in 2030. Uh, Politicians have also increased the benefit dramatically for retirees. made them, uh, you know, bigger per person, but also throwing a a wider net. Yes, absolutely. And as a result, right, there's an enormous disconnect between the amount of money that is paid for these programs and the amount of money that's collected in taxes, and hence the gap and the financing and the borrowing that is required is growing and growing and growing. And this is just the beginning because baby boomers are just now starting to, re- to, to retire. If, if we didn't have, if we hadn't had excess government spending, we wouldn't have a debt ceiling problem. If we didn't have these literally excess exploding program, we would not have a debt ceiling problem. But no one wants to talk about the need to reform these programs. Instead, the battle 
is is focusing on the symptom of the disease, which is mm. overspending, as opposed to focusing on the disease itself. Well, that's consistent with everything we seem to do as a culture. All right, anything else we should know? Appreciate hearing from you, Veronique, and you filling us in on this. What? Any closing thoughts? Well, yeah, I mean, my closing thought is, like, unfortunately, when I hear Republicans um, and well, your former President Trump and Senator J.D. Vance and, and many others say that actually thinking about cutting Social Security and Medicare or reforming them, right, um, uh, is, is, is out of question. I, I am really, uh, I'm really depressed because they have now joined the chorus with the Democrats and they have basically decided to give up entirely on the thing we need to do the most. We need to do this the most. And, and while people say, well, you know, seniors, we want to, you know, we, we want to take care of them. That's, that's well and fine. But you know what? Seniors are overrepresented in the top income quintile. And the people who are paying the taxes today currently to pay for these <laughs> relatively wealthy boomers, Right. They're actually overrepresented in the lower income quintile. Right. And it doesn't mean it's pretty it doesn't gross. Mean you cut. Yeah, I've, I've got to, I've got to hold you right there. Up. I'm sorry, Veronique. It's great to talk with you once again. Thank you so much for your time. Veronique de Rouget from the Mercatus Center, Mercatus.org. Wow. It's not a pretty picture. And uh, that's what they're doing to us. They're driving us into the ground. Eight six zero five two two nine eight four two. The rant line number eight six zero seven five one forty six ninety eight. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Miss something from the Todd Feinberg Show? Listen to the podcast on WTIC.com slash podcast. Pardon me, but I'm just looking at property tax rates, which don't tell a pretty story, as you wouldn't expect in Connecticut. Connecticut's property taxes are higher than New Hampshire, Vermont, New York, Rhode Island, Wisconsin, Texas, 
Nebraska, all kinds of places. Average tax bill in the state is $6,000 per year. The good news, New Jersey pays $8,400. Well, closer to $8,500. They're first. Second is Illinois. Third, Connecticut. How about that? If you've been wondering why it's so disastrously difficult to survive the Connecticut experience, that's why. That is the deal, along with a bunch of other deals, where, uh, you know, overall it's amongst the highest, in the top one or two highest tax bills overall in the country. The cost of living is higher than you can imagine because the oppressive government is out there driving up the cost of energy, driving up the cost of everything it can. And they keep wanting to raise taxes. They keep raising taxes, even with a huge surplus. They love bragging about the surplus and doing these little tax giveaways to make it seem like the government isn't this hateful usurper of the power of the individual in order to take all of our money. But that's what it is. I know I, it's not just money. It's freedom, too. But money is also freedom. If you're not allowed to keep the benefit of your productivity, then how do you survive? That's the condition that of all states in the country, Connecticut is up at the top. And that's a horrible thing. So they keep doing it on purpose. They know full well what they're doing. That, this is what gets me the most. They completely understand that they're making your life miserable. And they do it behind a claim of compassion and caring. And they do it so they can give money to the voting blocks that they need to win re-election. That's all. It's a very ruthless, ugly game, this thing they call compassion. Hateful game. And it's, it's designed to make you miserable so that they can make happy the people who... who well, the, the groups of voters who they need to make happy. And to me, this is the worst of all the election rigging claims you could make against a government, that they are uh, deliberately transferring wealth from people who earn it to certain blocks of voters who haven't. And that is a cruelty that is immoral and ruins our system of government and is why you feel so... Uh, burdened by daily life in Connecticut. That's what makes it happen. The state's great. The government is horrific. The government is oppressive and hateful and the worst that the state government can be in this country, Connecticut. That's the Connecticut way. When they like to talk about the Connecticut way. This is it. Take away freedom in practical terms and take away money to take away freedom so you don't get to keep the things you produce, the power you produce to help you live your life and make good stuff happen economically. Oh, it's so gross. 860-522-9842. We've got rants coming up in 30 minutes or so. Yeah, well, 25 minutes. No, 35 minutes. I'm sorry. 860-751-4698. 
751-4698. Now, back to the Todd Feinberg Show, live from the NJ Diet Studios on WTIC News Talk 1080. Oh, yes, indeed it do. It's kind of an exciting time of the week because Chris Powell joins us at this time on Monday afternoons. Chris Powell, who seems to not like the fact that uh, Connecticut is so well known for its great food. What's the problem, Chris? <laughs> oh, I, Todd, I, I, I don't mind being known for uh, great food, but uh, when, when the news organizations like the New York Times suggest that this is really all you need to know about Connecticut, as the Times did the other day, and uh, urging people to visit New Haven, uh, you know, once in the new year, along with 51 other wonderful places around the world. I think we can get a little uh, annoyed at that, especially since New Haven uh, had, uh, you know, something like uh, four shootings in the first uh, eight days of the new year, and there's been a bunch of shootings in the city since then. And I, you know, think that ought to be of more concern to the nation's newspaper. Aren't those a tougher sell to attract tourism? Well, yeah, but you know, is is tourism what we're after? Are we after you know decent living conditions for not only people who live in New Haven but people who live uh, everywhere? I, I've always said that the the Times is uh, seldom interested in anything in Connecticut unless it's edible, and uh, you know we we have terrible social disintegration going on in our state, and uh, you know what does the Times say? Uh, uh, let's eat. <laughs> Do you think it's maybe because so many people who who read the Times and maybe even write for it and and run the company are residents of or or grew up in Connecticut? Oh, they they may be. I think it's just a whole different social class here. Uh, you know, the <laughs> the Times article was about fifty two places around the world you you should you should you should visit this year, and New Haven was probably the the closest and more most practical destination. I mean, the other ones were you know all all around the world. Who, who has the money for that? Maybe certain readers of the New York Times do, but I. I don't think the great majority of of, of people uh, in Connecticut have uh, have the money for that. I think they're you know got to be much more concerned about the, the living conditions uh, here in the state or you know in the New York metropolitan area. I mean the the the, the Times is you know it's living in in another world. Uh, and if it ever examined uh, you know the 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 world of its immediate subscribers, it would be a different uh, scene. Look, the 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 Times exposed George Santos belatedly uh, after Santos got elected. But you know, where was the Times when George Santos was running for Congress as the complete fraud that he is? You know, the the Times didn't have any 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 time to get into that. It was only after he got elected that you know the Times could. Uh, you know, seriously cover a local issue. The, the New York Times does not cover New York. I mean, it, it, it's it's covering the world. It's covering Washington. You know, whatever. If, if the New York Times uh, put any effort into covering local news, well, maybe George Santos would not have would not have won that election, even though his district includes part of Queens. Well, you know, Queens is part of New York, isn't it? But what you're saying is that the New York Times is no longer 
really in the news business. It's in, it's in creating the kind of puffery that will attract readers on a regular basis and attract clicks. Like they've fallen victim to all the dynamics that have uh, dismantled news in the state of Connecticut, for example. Well, I don't think they're interested in in local news. They've abandoned local news. They abandoned local news long, long ago. I, I, you know, disagree with them to a great extent on their national political coverage. But you know, that's fine. That they they do a very serious job in their own lights uh, for you know national coverage. But uh, uh, who is covering New York? Who's 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 covering the uh, New York area suburbs in in Connecticut? And it's not the it's not the New York Times, and uh, you know, for the New York Times to pick up on New Haven <laughs> for food when there's you know mass yes. murder going on there every day is is well, it's pretty disgraceful to yes, me. Yes, but anyway. you're you're also talking about national news that that would be a good story to do the the shootings and and the murders that go on in every city, and they they could be covering that. They could be juxtaposing those two things. Uh, about New Haven, they could be reporting on congressional races because if you do the reporting, then you find the national stories that emanate from every state. Well, you you could be getting into the whole uh, anatomy of poverty and 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 crime and fatherlessness sure. and all my usual hobby horses, but uh, nobody's doing that. And you know, the New York Times is thinking itself the the world's greatest you know newspaper well all i'm saying is they're missing some real important stuff and uh you know replacing it with uh yeah with tourist fluff yeah but it's not just about the new york times i mean we need news coverage and they're the richest paper in the country i assume and how about them reinvesting in in, in the nation rather than selling us out for you know whatever the easy stuff is that makes people happy well, look, they they have uh, market research, I'm sure, that tells them what their readers want. Um, I, I, I I don't know what that is, but uh, <laughs> I'm sure they're much more adept at uh, at selling papers than I am. All right, uh, the uh, you were talking about the Soviet Union and the democratic socialists and and uh, rent control in another column. You want to fill us in on that? Oh yeah, there's a big movement in uh, Connecticut now uh, to uh, uh, have the legislature put a two and a half percent cap on uh, on, on rent increases, uh, which uh, I guess this originated from a clergy group in Hartford that had a a meeting on it a few weeks ago, and now uh, they have uh, persuaded uh, some of the liberal Democratic legislators, including uh, some of the New Haven. Uh, legislators to to put this this rent cap legislation in, uh, and I'm I'm thinking, well, what happens to the the market economy, and why why only rent? Yes, inflation is 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 out of control, but it's not just with rent; it's with it's with you know food and energy and heat and gasoline. Uh, uh, <laughs> you know, if we're just going to put uh, price caps on. On rent, uh, well, you know, what about these these other things? It's a uh, the, the the legislation is 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 really just scapegoating. It it it's attempting to to blame landlords peculiarly for for the inflation that uh, we have. Well, the landlords aren't causing inflation. They're 
they're the victims of it, just like everybody else is. Um, but isn't that but, uh, isn't that because they're blameable? You know, how do hmm. you how do you how do you rent control food or some of the other items? How well, do you, you set the price. I mean, there the. The, the legislation would put a two and a half percent cap on rent. Well, they could try to pass a, leg- a bill that would uh, put a two and a half percent cap on food price increases or energy price increases or gas price increases. Except they they don't because landlords are very uh, uh, disparageable. They they can be very unpopular people. Nobody likes the landlord, or very few people like uh, the landlord. So hey, you know, let's blame the landlords for. For inflation, as if landlords don't have to pay higher prices for everything that they purchase as, as well. It's it's just uh, it's just demagoguery. And, it is. Uh, it is. It's awful. It, but uh, but if they were to try doing that with food, I suspect you know there'd be no eggs on the shelves, and there'd be all kinds of food. That, there'd just be big swaths of empty shelves all over again. Well, of course, that's that's where price control leads. And you know, the, Connecticut has, has got this terrible housing problem now, which is universally acknowledged. We need more. Housing, almost everybody uh, uh, agrees with that. Well, guess what? This this rent cap legislation has just struck the probably the most powerful blow against any housing construction effort that you could have struck in Connecticut. What uh, housing provider, what developer, or or uh, apartment building owner is going to put any of his money into uh, con- you know constructing housing or renovating housing, uh, if he alone, among all people in the economy, is is, is going to uh, uh, be prevented from recovering fully his uh, his inflation costs. Yeah, I would think even the threat of legislation like that would send reverberations through the through the whole community of of. Um, yeah, of course. Now, why owners. should anybody uh, build or renovate any housing in Connecticut? Because the legislature is going to put a cap on rent. So, you know, our real inflation right now, <coughs> excuse me, our real inflation right now is probably closer to 15%. If you follow a guy named, uh, uh, or the guy who runs the Shadow Stats uh, uh, newsletter, which who calculates uh, inflation according so, to the old way it was what, calculated. What does that mean? What's the real inflation mean? The real inflation rate is uh, is. Uh, what the rate would have been if we were still calculating it the way we would say 20, 25, 30 Which years was a ago. Which honest way. Right. When the government keeps changing the calculations to make inflation look lower. But, you know, the official rate of inflation now is something like 7%. The real inflation rate is probably, you know, twice that. Wow. Uh, well, you know, you're going to cap inflation for, for rents at 2.5% when, when even the official government rate is something like 7%. Who, who's going to build housing in those circumstances? You, you can't get your money back. And it would mean that over a period of a few years, the housing stock in a, a city like New Haven or Hartford, that they would become neglected to some extent by their owners who can't afford to invest in them anymore. Well, of, of, of course. This whole effort at rent control seems to me to be uh, to distract from government's own responsibility for inflation. It's government that creates inflation. It's it's government that uh, increases the money supply, all out of proportion to uh, the uh, production of goods and services. It's it's government to be blamed for inflation. It's not landlords. Is there a problem, maybe you know off the top of your head, we're talking to Chris Powell from the Journal Inquirer, is there a problem that's acute right now that wasn't caused by government? 
Oh, well, you know, I'd, I'd like to say that uh, the snow we had today. <laughs> <laughs> All right, good answer. <laughs> but, you know, you never know what they're really doing behind the curtain. That's awesome. Anything else you want us to know, Chris? Anything else making you miserable? Uh, yeah, I, I got the governor's press release uh, today, which said that he you know, was making this proposal to eliminate gun violence in Connecticut. And uh, I couldn't see how any of those things on his list was going to eliminate gun violence in Connecticut. He's, he's going to prevent us from buying more than you know, one one handgun a month. He's going to prohibit open carry. I mean, how does that have any bearing on any of the the shootings we have in in, in Connecticut? Uh, and this is going to eliminate gun crime in Connecticut. I mean, it, it's it's just uh, mindless. It's an, uh, unbelievable. I mean, it's uh, why, why do we pay any attention to this stuff? Well, only because it's uh, it's neg- government at its worst, and it's negative to people's rights it's antithetical to what the government's job is which is to protect our rights and it uh it's the most malicious kind of governance so it's good to highlight those things we should pay attention to that well none of those things on the governor's list today is going to have the slightest bearing on crime in connecticut exactly isn't that true of everything though what poverty is going to be fixed by by the uh putting a two and a half percent cap on rents yeah, well, the, the people are trying to trying to pretend that they're doing something, but they're not doing anything at all. Yeah, pretending, but it, it, they're doing negative things. Them doing nothing would be a big improvement from what you've just laid out. Chris. Well, yeah, at least it wouldn't distract people from the issue and make them think something was being done when you know nothing is being done. Chris Powell, time to go out for a couple of drinks, I think. I got it here at home. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, sir. We'll talk to you again soon. <laughs> Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. How about that? Lordy. It's, it's, the government is just trying to be as malicious as they can. And Ned Lamont's right at the front of the line. What stupid thing can I do today to make things worse and trick people into thinking it's making things better? That's how he goes. He assigns his staff, I guess. To find something stupid and destructive that he can pretend is good. And people will buy it. Oh, my Lord. How about being governor? Just try it for a couple of days. Like, try it. Look, find a problem and, and fix it. I think people can't afford their rents because they're going to schools that aren't adequate. They don't learn adequately and achieve enough education to be able to get the best paying jobs. And the taxes keep going up for the malfeasance of the ruling class so they can use that money to pay for votes instead of actually earning them by pursuing good policy. If you, if you go after the causes of problems instead of, instead of the symptoms, it's, it's not really that complicated. But man, they're just in this mode where they don't want to actually fix anything. Never. Just create new problems. Eight six zero five two two nine eight four two. In about ten minutes, we'll have the rants going. Eight six zero seven five one forty six ninety eight. Don't forget, you can call in during the rants, which is enjoyable if you do. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest five G network, from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. 
Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.